0: Hey guys, welcome to Buy The Horns, a Bitcoin podcast about South Africa. I'm your host, Ricky Emmerdice. Buy The Horns is proudly brought to you by Bitvice, the only place in South Africa to buy self-custody sets. All right, guys, in today's episode, I chatted to Chris Becker. Now, Chris is a formerly trained economist of the Austrian Persuasion, and he spent the last couple of years working for a large bank in South Africa, building out a custodial cryptocurrency wallet offering for their clients. So Chris and I chatted about what's happening in the crypto world in South Africa, what's happening in the world, largely, specifically Canada, and how tyranny is creeping not so slowly anymore, how people having their bank accounts shut down by a tyrannical government and why Bitcoin fixes this. We also chatted about CBDCs and Chris's insights, I mean, he's been working with reserves Bank and a number of working groups on this on how they're going to implement CBCs, etc. So he's our man on the inside. He believes it's not gonna happen anytime soon. There's just too many moving parts to put together and it doesn't have the same incentive structure as Bitcoin does. So it made me feel very bullish. Um Chris is super bullish on freedom and on Bitcoin, and he's a great voice of, of reason in the South African landscape and to actually tell us what's happening on the ground in these big institutions. Give us one a follow, uh, check it out. And uh, if you like the show and you want to listen to the audio version, you can track down the podcast on your favorite podcast player, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. But I'd recommend you check it out on Breeze. Now, Breeze is a podcast 2.0 platform, so it's an integrated Bitcoin and Lightning wallet with a podcast player, which means you can stream stats directly to me in exchange for the show. It's a great platform. It's also a great place to store your Bitcoin because you can self-custody your keys. But right, guys, that's it. Enjoy the show. It's Chris. Cheers. Chris Becker, how are you, man? Good to have you on the show.
1: Ricky, good to see you. Mm. Like to be here.
0: Lekka, man. Good, but I always do this. I say hi to someone and then I take a sip of my drink and it like catches myself off guard. It's, it's a bad habit. I need to get over it. <laughs> um, <laughs> Maybe I'll do the same. Welcome to the show, man. And um, We've been trying to line this up for a while. I'm, I'm glad to finally have you. Um, so, For those who don't know, Chris has been in the crypto space for quite a few years in South Africa. Um, been building crypto products in South Africa for quite a few years. We don't know. Goes into specifics of, with who, but uh, yeah, you've been been building wallets and and doing good things there. And um, but before we get into all of that, it's going to Canada. It's been itching. I haven't been able to speak to anyone about this yet. But what what's going on there, man? It's craziness. What do you think?
1: Jeez, what do I think? Um, <laughs> so I've I've been there. I've been. It's. I mean, it's obviously very interesting to watch. It's uh, it's interesting, but also scary because this this kind of. This tendency obviously could spread uh, into other jurisdictions as well, which which is scary. When you can lose your, your access to your bank account for a political belief that you might have, or for wanting to protest, uh, you know, a government policy, but or um, well,
0: supporting, i just supporting someone. Exactly,
1: fantastic. exactly. So, so, um, yeah. I, look, I've I have been from a macro perspective expecting this to happen. Um, you know, I'm surprised that it's happened in Canada. Um, yep. wasn't expecting that. Uh, that's interesting. But you know, there's been there's been a lot of surveillance, uh, regulatory infrastructure, and tech built around the banking system. Um, it's it's very prone to you know being controlled for political purposes, and that's what's essentially happening in Canada. Exactly, exactly. I think that's why that's why in 2016, 17, I became so excited about uh, Bitcoin as a technology that can eliminate the risk of, you know, having all financial transactions and messages ever being intermediate by a highly centralized system um, where these types of risks will manifest, you know. So like, you know, at the time I was kind of analyzing what's happening in the US and it was. You know you know analyzing the big picture politics my sense was at the time that we're essentially in a culture war that's kind of escalating we're in a fourth turning era um and a fourth turning is typically characterized by breakdowns of trust in institutions um fourth turnings happen on average every 80 years um and and we were we were in a fourth turning and so expecting things like trust in the media to break down Trust in uh, the political establishment to break down Trust in looks like the medical fraternity and industry possibly breaking down who do you trust Trust in you know science around climate you know all sorts of institutions that have been trusted for a very long time is breaking down when that comes to money inevitably you've got a major problem like what system are you going to be able to? agree on to transmit value and communicate value amongst people i think the realization that bitcoin becomes the technology that both the political left and the political right which is becoming extremely polarized obviously um, both sides can essentially agree on this apolitical agnostic neutral monetary technology in order to store value and communicate value amongst themselves stated differently like Trump's not in control of this and neither is Biden. And so the politics is taken out of it, you know, Bitcoin separates money from the state. And uh, that's why I became excited about this technology and it becomes a technology that can minimize the risk of conflict. So in a, in in the event of massively heightened tensions, you know, let's take Canada. I mean, I don't think it's at the point of, of civil war or anything like it. but. If this continues to escalate, you've got all these truckers who are upset, angry. Um, a bank run gets triggered. That would be devastating for the economy. You know, all, you know everybody's finances would suffer. A massive capital destruction event. Bitcoin becomes this this tech, this monetary asset that we could all essentially switch to, to protect ourselves in that in that scenario. And. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of big picture thinking that I've had around this stuff. And it's why I got involved in it full time. I believe it's a technology for freedom. Canada kind of underlines this. I think it sort of orange pulls a lot of people. You know, a lot of people who thought maybe this Bitcoin was just for frontier or high risk emerging markets. Suddenly, it's a technology that becomes very relevant in Canada and possibly other first world countries. So,
0: yeah. Canada is the frontier right now. Like this is, they literally are on the cutting edge of, of the force turning, like you say, like, and it, it's not so much, my my perspective of, of what's happening in Canada is not so much, uh, it has a chance of becoming a civil war because I think the people are quite united on this actually. I think the masses are very much united in, in like, we want our freedom back. Um, but it's more like the it's it's, it's a, the, the haves versus the soon to be have nots or have even less when they, you know, take all their money out of their bank accounts. Um, but it's yeah it's canada was the last place i expected this to happen i thought they were just going to comply i'll be even and and the second place that is kicking off is australia where i also thought it wasn't going to happen so clearly where the guys get pushed the hardest that's where you know they're going to going to push back um, so like so you can, i actually, guess you can
1: think of it like this ricky like sorry to interrupt you but just you know um if you think about the censorship that's taken place in big tech over the last few years um essentially big tech centralized companies that, that have the ability to decide who can communicate on their tech systems, right? Um, you can decide to, to exclude and include based on whatever ideas you have. Banks are not that different. Banks are the same. Most of the money that we use today is digital and electronic. 99% of it is digital and electronic. What's happening in Canada and as you mentioned, Australia. And what happened in Cyprus too is, you know, many years ago, is we'll start to just we'll decide how people can communicate with their money inside the bank accounts. And so, yep. but I think this is really the start of it. It's likely to get worse. I think it's likely to get worse. Yep, like you
0: say. I mean, absolutely. I mean, look at look at Canada. Like Trudeau had the opportunity to de-escalate, and he chose he chose violence. You know, like at the heart of it is protesters saying listen drop all these mandates let us go back to the uh, give us back our rights we had two years ago we done we want our rights back and the government chose to declare war on those people rather than giving their rights back um which why you know what the why are they so intent on pushing this and this is this is where it gets very nefarious for me Mm. because the 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 virus is not that scary um Mm. you know like Everyone's been vaccinated. Wants to be vaccinated, um, mm. even though we know that doesn't do much. Um, but mm. it allegedly, it keeps you out of hospital, right? But it doesn't slow transmission. So none of these none of these regulations make any sense. So why are they so insistent on not giving up not giving up the power they've seized? And and there may be a multitude of reasons. But ultimately, what it comes down to is the governments. Once you give them power, they don't give it back. Like that's just how it goes. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, like I, I, think we're gonna see this, this, this is gonna heat up, and it's gonna heat up all over the world simultaneously. I mean, like Canada is just yeah. not the, the tip of the spear here. Australia, you know, are like it up. Was,
1: yeah, like last year, it was interesting because we had that, um, that whole GameStop situation. Mm. Um, it is Ga- it was GameStop, eh? And yeah, and we had Game, that, GameStop, that,
0: yeah.
1: That that Wall Street bets group on Reddit basically yes. get blocked and censored. But it was interesting because it was retail, you know, man on the street money yeah. um, taking positions against institutional money. And it was interesting because governments essentially stepped in and sided yeah. with institutions at the time. And, and I remember I remember thinking about it and, uh, you know, tweeting about this, but, like, the that type of conflict is still, I think, coming to sort of mainstream financial institutions into the money we use. I mean, in that instance, oh, yeah. you know, you had, you had positions being taken against a specific stock that impacted a specific company. And there was organization that was taken base. It was driven by memes and filled by memes. And, you know, there was suddenly this sort of cult community around the trade and people were, were getting in on it and piling in on it. And it, it sort of grew a life of its own, you know. And I think I think all roads here around this type of financial conflict leads to fiat money and I, th- I think you'll see similar types of conflicts playing out where where retail you know man on the street kind of people start to withdraw their their, their currency from banks which causes problems for the banking yeah. system the retaliation to that is likely to be let's stop the people from doing this because it causes financial instability but but like yeah, that's the environment that we're probably going into, into the, in, in the next five to ten years. And you want to be owning some assets like Bitcoin that are not vulnerable to the instability that that would create. And so it's almost like all roads lead to, I believe, all roads yeah, lead to Bitcoin. A uh, in terms of this. Yeah. 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 Uh,
0: you yeah. know, and this is like the big Bitcoin thinkers have been talking about this for years. Like it's a black hole for value. Because it's the only thing that is tethered to real-world energy. It's got a real, it's got a real price associated with this production, um, and it can't be gamified. The production and the and the distribution can't be gamified, um, and <clears throat> that's obviously how the elites make the money is by gaming the system. So you know, like they, like the cancelling effect is, is the name of the game for them. Mm. So mm-hmm. in Canada, I think as soon as people wake up and realize that oh, we can bring this all to, a, we can we can stop all of this tomorrow. If we just all withdraw our money from the banking system, um, play a game of monetary musical chairs and buy Bitcoin. The problem is there's only 3% of, of money is withdrawable because there's only that much physical cash. 97% is digital. So that's not going to work very well. Um, well, that's, that's why the, the, the s- that's haven't. why the
1: system is so unstable. And like as Murray Rothbard pointed out, banks are essentially always insolvent. <laughs> um and it's yeah it's it, it's it's highly risky, and like bear in mind in that scenario, just about everybody like, gets hurt, you know, yeah. and so you've got to be prepared to take some pain all around because the deflationary collapse that causes in the short term yeah. is epic um yeah. I mean the credit system is, would collapse essentially. essentially prices all over the place would would tank, and so balance sheets would just shrink and collapse and the response to yeah. that from the central banks likely to be, well, we've got to we've got to print it up, and that's where the inflationary risk obviously starts starts to come in too. Uh, to me, uh, the the Bitcoin bull case is is bullish in both scenarios, you know. Yeah, hyperinflation, so deflationary collapse. Um, but I think other than the 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 risks, I think the efficiency and the improvements that Bitcoin offers over traditional stores of value and money systems is so great that it wins nevertheless, even if these things don't happen. Yep. So that's obviously yep. also exciting. And that gets you into a very different frame of mind of thinking. You start to get quite hopeful around the, the opportunities in the space around, you know, building businesses that leverage this to offer value to people yep. there, you know, out there in the street to actually use this, you know. Yeah, so.
0: yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's I'm I'm excited because obviously that's the line of work I'm in, but it's yeah. um the, the social attacks. You guys are doing good person. work.
1: Yeah.
0: Thank you, thank you. Yeah, we we we, we try. It's um unfortunately we do it part time, all of us, so it's it's a bit slow. Um, but I mean, we are grinding. We'll we'll get there. We've got some cool stuff coming in the near future. But um, the social attacks for me are, is is what scares me about this. Like, so for example, um, the Canadian. Minister of Finance coming out and saying, anyone who's donated money to these mm. uh, protesters can have the bank accounts present. Mm. So like, and then obviously the mainstream in Canada pumps that narrative, the media pumps that narrative all around the world, they parrot the same thing. So you end up being demonized and a lot of people don't have mm. the intestinal fortitude to, to, to handle that. However, that being said, after two years of being demonized, people are kind of over it and they're like, whatever, you've called me all these horrible names already that carry no weights, you know, I'm a pariah already whatever go fuck yourself um mm. so there's that side of it but um it's mm. going to get ugly you know like like the government the governments around the world won't give up power easily and clearly they they have a plan for where they want to take this thing um and i don't think that uncle klaus is going to be happy when justin doesn't deliver on the plan so he's going to get called <laughs> called into the office and wrapped over the knuckles for not for not keeping the canadians in line um so, yeah, man, it's, it's it's going to be interesting. I'm just happy I'm in South Africa, to be yeah. honest, because there's no nukes near us. And, you know, sure. like, the rest, the I rest think of the world is going
1: to fight it out. No, I've, uh, like I agree. Eh? Like, uh, I've maintained for a few years now that I always just had a funny feeling about Australia, to be honest. Like, we've got some family <laughs> that lives there. And, yeah, and cool. you know, the idea crosses your mind. Should we move there? Should we not move there? This was a couple of years ago. And then I just... She had this sense about the aussies that something's not right with them you know and well <laughs> shame man it's uh it's it's rough and um SA is a, is a great place to be the challenges that we yeah. have every every place has its trade-offs life i mean life is just a bunch of trade-offs constantly and um you know there's so much opportunity like you say we're far away from all of this mess And we have the ability to build out new institutions coming out of this fourth fourth turning extremely strong i think we're ahead of the ahead of the rest of the world in in several aspects around multiculturalism and how to deal with it and and rebuilding institutions coming out of a highly socialist state the apartheid state extremely socialist uh command control really yeah and they exactly and like so so we've got some time and now obviously the multiculturalism thing is kind of creating tensions around the world, I think. And uh, we're kind of ahead of the curve there. And it's super exciting. I think yep. where we are in SA in terms of the opportunities in front of us, you know, what we can build. Yeah. And Bitcoin, Ab- I think, absolutely. central yep. to that.
0: Central. And, and, and so you and I have been involved in, in this kind of forum where people are discussing this stuff for a couple of years, and, and we're obviously privy to the inside of what's happening. Um, And it makes, it fills me with hope to see what people are doing in South Africa and the institutions they're building out, and they're building out in a, in quite a decentralised way, like you know, as far for for the, in terms of normy decentralisation, I suppose. But the one aspect that is missing currently to me is the is the, the Bitcoin component. But I think that's not that's not far off. They, mm-hmm. I, I think I think the groups that are building in South Africa, their own institutions, are looking at Canada and they're like, whoa, we can be turned off like this very quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can have a bank account shut down. We can be cut out. Um, and I, I don't think it's a matter of if, it's just a matter of when. You know, like, the, the these systems are all going to collapse around the world. Um, yeah, so, yeah, we're in yeah, a good look, place. I think we're in a good place. Yeah, like,
1: like, I mean, the network effects around the money that we use daily, uh, that most people use daily, are extremely strong. Yeah. Extremely strong. And, um, and so it'll take time. You can't just go and, like, you know, launch a Bitcoin Decentral Bank or something like this and get people to 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 switch. I mean, when you read the history of of money and central banking, you know, things don't happen in in a sequence of months to transition into a new monetary system. It takes it takes a couple of decades with some financial hardship, pain, crises, things that happen. And over time, slowly people shift. Um, and I think it'll it'll be similar here, you know, like, um, yeah. But adoption in SA seems really strong. I mean, when you look at yep. some of the data in the banking system, number of people transacting, involved in the arbitrage trade. Uh, That's huge. It's, look, it's looking good. <laughs> like, adoption's looking good. Yep. It's just a question yep. of when does this actually move, when does Bitcoin move into something that we can use as a medium of exchange? Um, you know, where... Where there's a wallet on every device, or on every computer, mm-hmm. uh, you know, on every browser. Like, what what does that look like? And, and you guys are doing good work in order to sort of sort of get that in people's hands. My 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 sort of goal was working inside a commercial bank in SA to be a bank that enables this technology to gives a- people access, you know, um, and that would would be a moment where other banks would. Also get involved to show that it's possible to do this. Um, it's been it's been it's been challenging. It's difficult. I think the innovation is going to have to come from the outside, uh, and sadly, I think for banks, sadly for banks, uh, <laughs> that means Sorry, banks. that mean, that that does <laughs> that does mean that 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 people are going to start trusting other entities to do their money mm-hmm. and banking for them. The function of money and banking remains the brands that you interact with, however, change. You know, yep. uh, I think that's what's, yep. what's going to take place and it's going to take some time. Um, but yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, innovation always comes from the outside there. Like real innovation always comes from, a, from an outsider. Um, because I think the status quo is incapable of thinking outside of the, the, the confines that it sets for itself. After a certain period of time, like the banking, the banking uh, we can't expect the banking community to embrace Bitcoin because it literally is crypto to them. Like it is, it will destroy. If Bitcoin achieves Satoshi's vision, um, to, <laughs> that's uh, that's got a bad connotation. But if it achieves Satoshi's vision, then it's going to destroy the banking system as we know it. Um, it or at Look, least it looks, it looks it very differently. right? It looks very different. Yeah, it looks I think, very I think different. This- right?
1: The, the thing with the thing with Bitcoin is like, you know, it's it's a money to intermediate capital at scale. um in, in other words, like transforming duration from short term deposits into long term loans, assets, yep. you're still going to need some kind of intermediary. That's where entities like BlockFi and yep, the like absolutely. are coming in and playing a role. Right. And um, those absolutely. become essentially the new kinds of banks. And so that business yeah. remains like banks don't actually care what the currency is that they operate on. Um, in fact, yeah. operating yeah. on Bitcoin for, for banks cuts so much overhead and cost; it's not even funny. Um, yeah. But to cut the overhead and cost is difficult to do, you know, because you've got entrenched methods of doing banking to, and to change yeah. it, yeah, like it's hard legacy systems to change it, legacy systems are extremely hard. And so that's the difficulty. I mean, and that's yeah. why the brands are going to be new.
0: Yeah. So so you, I don't want to drop names, but the bank that you work with doesn't have the legacy systems that someone like Standard Bank, for example, has in terms of paperwork. So like they have all this paper-based, these paper-based systems. This is just an example of, of legacy systems, right? Every year... So another friend of mine used to work for Santa Bank. Every year, they were like, okay, guys, this year we're digitizing a bunch of records. And, we did, and then they'd run out of budget. And they're like, it just doesn't happen. And then the problem just gets worse next year. So, like, they just get further and further behind. and Their systems get more and more antiquated. So, like, a challenger bank like Capitec can come in and just disrupt massively because they don't have any of that legacy architecture they've got to carry. Um, you know, so they can innovate. They can move quickly. They can, like... Basically, the systems can talk to each other faster because it's not paper based. Um, so, uh, banks Never are in for a very tough, very tough time. But the, the neo banks are going to be the Bitcoin banks, and I think the collateralized loan model um, is going to be grow massively. It's not a big it's not a big uh, issue currently in the conventional banking space. Like you don't put in. 500K to get 250K back in loan. That's just not how it works. You have to go and put in one asset. So typically you'll take a loan against your your home, for example, which hmm. will be your access bond. That's like collateralized loans, um, which is great. And a lot of people use that, but I think using Bitcoin as as premium collateral is gonna be the way of the future for for these neobanks. Um, so for example, in the Bitwise example, that's mm-hmm. self-custody. So so clients of ours will deposit, let's say, one Bitcoin into a, a multisig where we have collaborative custody with us, and then we'll give them 500,000 rand in loan against that, um, mm-hmm. the same way BlockFi would operate. So that mm-hmm. that model, because you don't want to sell your Bitcoin, for one. You trigger yes. capital gains tax events and you've got a massive opportunity cost for selling your Bitcoin. Yeah. So you'll just take a loan against it rather and speculate yeah. against, you're doing a speculative attack on fiat, really. Because if you take a loan over a five-year duration, the chance that your Bitcoin goes up is statistically very high. Um, and you can basically like, just inflate your debt away. Um, yeah. So it becomes very, very interesting. Um, yeah, so like, I think... Businesses are going to be built around that. That's a great Switch.
1: point. Like, like I think the opportunity to banks to recognize and understand Bitcoin as an asset that can be you know, seen as collateral to credit... Is obviously a massive opportunity. It's not. It's not exploited at the moment, for various reasons. Um, I I actually think that, like you say, I think Bitcoin becomes um, a superior collateral asset in the credit system over real estate. Yep. Real estate is a terrible? Absolutely. Asset it's is terrible. collateral. I mean, terrible. the cost of property rights enforcement, the army, the police, or the security on a place title um, deeds and the inefficiencies transfers. of moving title, transferring it between people. Um, I and mean, a quick, piece of property is always in like, in decay. It's always like atrophying, yes. you know. The,
0: yes.
1: The Earth just wants to take this thing down back to <laughs> yeah, dust, you know. And so you constantly got to be investing in maintenance. And like, yes. yeah, so it's not, it's not mobile globally. I mean, you go and walk into a bank in America with, you know, title deed to a property in Cape Town, like good luck getting credit. You know, it's only like accessible, you
0: know, and and and
1: then, and then most, and then most, and then most South Africans actually have title to property that the banks don't actually like want to lend against. Um, and, and now suddenly you've got these, these electronic electric money, super scarce assets that can go with you no matter where you are on the planet you know it's super liquid they're highly divisible yep. Yeah, all these attributes yep. yes. um, and, and, and so that's going to be an interesting dynamic for me from a sort yep. of macro perspective to see yep. how that plays out over time as people start to understand this collateral asset and the function that it will play in the monetary system and how that actually starts to displace real estate and like, if you think about like yeah, in real terms, relative to the price of Bitcoin, real estate's gonna get absolutely hammered. Like, there's gonna be a massive re rating of Bitcoin. And, like, obviously, what's yeah. interesting about that is, like, the addressable market is so big here for Bitcoin because, like, people are trying to store value in all sorts of assets because the savings account's broken, right? I yeah. mean, yeah. savings accounts are broken. So, in order to store value over longer periods of time, well, you gotta own, like, real estate, stocks, you know, all sorts of risk assets in order to yep. just preserve yep. your purchasing power. And and what Bitcoin starts to do is it essentially competes with all of those assets. So the addressable market's massive, you know, yep. Um, yep. it'll be so interesting I, to I see th- when economists kind of snap that point, you know.
0: Yeah, which economists? This is the thing, right? So mm. that's a separate a separate point mm-hmm. we're going to get into now. But like, so as a brief anecdote, so my day job, um, I work for a fintech company and um, our investor, chief investor is from Norway so i had this conversation with him and i was like listen we need to introduce collateralized loans into this product so people can loan against their bitcoin and he was like what what do you mean and i was like listen bitcoin is the best collateral on earth it is better than your massive mansion you own in oslo which is like one of the best real estate markets on earth and he was like no 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 what are you talking about like not a chance and i was like hang on how long will it take you to sell your property in oslo he's like someone can buy it tomorrow and i was like okay you can shake on the deal, but how long is it going to take to transfer that asset and how much is it going to cost you to transfer that asset as a percentage of the asset value? And he was like, uh, doing the numbers. And I was like, cool. I can send, if 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 I have your Bitcoin as collateral for a loan of issue, I can liquidate that Bitcoin literally within seconds and have my capital back that I originated the to you with. I can have it back, no problem, within for m- m- like tiny amounts of, the, of a fraction of a percentage if it's a large amount. You know, and he was like, "No, he just couldn't get his head around it." And I was like, "Okay, boomer, you know, like, yeah, you'll, get, you'll, you'll get it
1: soon enough." But, yeah, like, but to, but to yeah. a lender, I mean, to a lender, he, he's got to think about the credit risk. Um, yep. You know, you got to consider all of the the like the, the security and what kind of are you going to access that security in the event of default, and how it's going to be liquidated, and there's huge costs associated with that if you as a lender can can have you know collateral as you know bitcoin as collateral in a multi-sig account and in the event of default you as the lender and an ind- independent party whoever it is a lawyer or whatever um agrees and says yeah there's been an event of default we need to liquidate a portion of this you're able to just release a margin essentially
0: yep.
1: in order to liquidate instantly
0: Dun- I mean, dun-
1: it lowers dun- the cost dun- of dun- credits dun- so much, you know, it's
0: massively. And, and 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 this is what these these um I suppose that as soon as they get it, as soon as like lenders get it, it's going to be it's going to be like a, a frenzy, you know, because it is the world's most premium collateral. And I think what they don't understand is they look at Bitcoin price volatility and they're like, how can that be like great collateral? Look how volatile it is. And, like that's not the thing you should be looking at it's like how deep is the market how liquid is the market and how quickly can mm. you move it around and send it and sell mm. it and dispose of it like it's you can't you can take a 50 million dollar um, house in the Hamptons on Long Island and sure there's a huge amount of buyers but how long is it going to take you to sell that and actually transfer ownership and, and and as a lender the way you make money is churning your your, your, your lending book as quickly as possible um, and so you can get return on your on your capital right like you've got a limited amount of capital you want to lend out. Um, and the shorter that cycle, the more money you're going to make. So if it's dragged out, um, if you're dragging out every transaction by like three, four weeks uh, for people to default because you've got to go and sell their house. So it's longer than three, four weeks for like mm-hmm. you know three months. You're screen- you're shooting yourself in the foot. So as soon as they realize that, um, it's going to be a game changer. But luckily, they haven't realized that yet. So. You know, for us, us earlier alpha as man, as a, as a alpha, play there. there's still up, there's alpha.
1: still that yeah. asymmetries there. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, the, the arguments I still hear is is, is uh, fascinating to, <laughs> to some of the arguments that I hear against this stuff. But I mean, it just yeah. means and more time, more time to accumulate. You know,
0: really, yeah, absolutely. Because and at the end so of the day, I mean,
1: once everybody gets this, this asset's going to be so boring. It's going to be yeah. so boring. It's going to yeah, do yeah, nothing. It's going to be Literally, more yeah. stable than gold. It's going to be more stable than than anything. I mean, the reason it's so volatile at the moment is because it's startup up still a startup, up monetary technology. And like we said earlier, yes. like monetary technologies take a long time to build legitimacy and credibility and trust before they become widely yeah. de- adopted. Like, and that's why there's still still all this upside. I mean, obviously, the, the, the supply curve for Bitcoin can't shift around. But because it's yeah. so early and it's not that well understood, you get these these conv- these these like demand cycles that jump around, you know, and people speculate and come in, and you have a wave of adoption and, and capital allocation towards it, and the price shoots. Too much excitement comes in, and all sorts of like latecomers, you're following the hype and FOMOing into yep. the market, come in, and then it's ready to to purge again, you know, and have a have a correction. But if you look at the longer term trend, we're in an S adoption curve that takes fifty years, you know. And we're not yep, even like twenty percent into this.
0: And it's us long-term hodlers who are just playing a game of happy of hungry hippo, and we're just like grabbing sets every month. We're like, cool, I can just get a little bit more, a little bit more. And these the the guys coming in the hype cycles are buying and selling and trading and trying to, and, mm-hmm. and, and they're just losing. Their sets allocation is just going down. They're like, the, you know, their their rand value might be going up, but the amount of sats zone is going down. So like trading is a a fool's errand, and I did this for years.
1: Yeah, totally, um, totally.
0: I'd have I'd have way more money if I never traded. If I just played stupid, bought trading. Stats, trading a is a highly sure.
1: specialized, difficult game. Like it's uh, it's all about computer. risk management and capital preservation. It's not like it's not for everybody to just come in and trade this thing. I mean, I remember back oh. in 2017, at the office, a guy got in touch with me. One of the guys was working in like the middle back office uh, at the bank, and wanted to chat about crypto and I said cool we can have a coffee yeah. we need to have a coffee and I said to him so what do you want to chat about crypto we we've got this division we're doing crypto and blockchain like you interested in it and he says no 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 I just I just I just want to trade like I'm trading now and I actually I'm about to I'm about to resign and I'm just going to become a trader so I said to him okay um have you traded on the desk?" And he's like, no, 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 he does like settlements and recon and stuff for the desk. But, you know, he kind of like, he, he thinks he gets trading because he's been trading on Luna or whatever. you know. Yeah. And then, um, <laughs> and then I said, OK, so what's your what's your trading approach? Like, what's your strategy? You know, so he said, no, he buys the dips like when, <laughs> when it drops, he buys the dip and like he's been <laughs> making money. So I said, so I said, OK. We're in a bull market like what happens if we go into a bear market then that game plan doesn't work anymore and he just said nah he's i'm quoting this guy and he said to me no all i think about is when lambo and i just (laughs) and i was just like did he actually just say that to me (laughs) this was in early december 2017 and i actually left that that meeting shaking my head and while i was shaking my head I literally got onto my phone and I tweeted and I said, I think we're at the top here. <laughs> like, this is, this is it. <laughs> we're in the cycle's top. And, uh, yeah, right. I was, classic. Eh? I'll, I'll go, I'll go yeah. retweet that later. Flippin' funny. But I uh, say so, yeah, a lot of guys who think bird. like that, a lot of guys, uh, and they're going to get taken he out. Never, <laughs>
0: yeah, he never, he never got that Lambo. I'm guessing. <laughs>
1: I don't think he's wrong. No, sure. I mean, who knows? Hopefully, he did well, but I mean, I, so. I, I see a lot of this, I see a lot of this type of thinking in the bull, you know? Yeah, um, absolutely. everyone's clever in the and bull like, market.
0: Yeah. And like, we lucky enough to have gone through a couple of these cycles to be like, okay, pump the brakes here, guys. Like, I see how this goes, you know, mm. um, you just mm. want to accumulate. And like, it, it, it's, it's cheating, really. Like, mm. and I t- say to people, they, they think it's too simple. You just need to accumulate every month. Take the money you can afford to put into, into like Bitcoin and just buy that every month and carry on with your job that you're good at to keep accumulating Bitcoin, keep fiat mining, and that's the game. That's just hold on to it as long as you can. The game is just to hold it as lo- longer than everyone else. And they're like, yeah, but there's some people who've got like 200 Bitcoin they got in in 2013. I'm like, bro, they will lose their Bitcoin because they're going to be buying Lambos and shit like that. Like, just just keep at it. Um, you know, stay hum- matter is just stay humble and stack sats. Like, it's really the totally. The,
1: Totally. And I think and I think the thing that people need to like bear in mind on this (laughs) is it's this is a long term play. This is not this is not trading. This is not a short term trade like talk about this trade. We're talking about the next few decades still where where there's very good upside here. We're in a like we said, we're in this fourth turning era where new old institutions become untrusted. They essentially break down. And new institutions gain credibility and trust and legitimacy. And they typically last for a period of around 80 years again yep. before the next big crisis kind of happens like th- this was always, this was fascinating to me when I was like really delving into the stuff. So in America, um, there's this book called The Fourth Turning. Neil Howe yep. and Strauss, the authors, I think. Yep. And it's, it's so interesting. And they like speak to this pattern of 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 this generational cycle. And this institutional breakdown and the rebuilding of institutions and trust that follows from that.
0: Just to just to cut in, so it's essentially yeah, the nutshell yeah. of the fourth turning is like, good times create weak men, weak men create bad times, bad times create strong men, strong men create good times. And then that's that's 100%. the cycle, right? That's and we cycle. Are peak weak. We're peak weak right now. Like, weak men are like... Not exactly. Right I mean, <laughs>
1: exactly. So... It's fascinating. Like in 1776 in America, it was the War of Independence. You know, draw up yep. the American Constitution. 80 years later, 1850s, 60s was the American Civil War. Yep. Massive conflict. Uh, 80 years later was the Great Depression, World War II era. And if you if you yep. move 80 years forward from there, we are where we're at right now. Like we're in an era of massive dislocation, uncertainty, yep. confusion. And, and like, we need to be just keeping our heads down, building out this new institution of money, giving people the tools to connect to it. Um, and like, if successful, which I think it will be just due to the nature of this technology and how like, how genius it is. Um, this thing has many decades to continue to spread and diffuse through Society yeah. in terms of adoption. And so that's the, that's the thinking. That's the hat you've got to put on. Like, this is something you're going to be owning, not for five years. You're going to be owning it and, like, leaving this so, to, yeah, but so leaving this to the next grand- generation. I mean, yeah. like, like yeah. you know, imagine <laughs> it's kind of like, it's like really? being on Manhattan Island and there's cows and stuff grazing. Yeah. And... All these these guys are suddenly just like moving their American constitutions formed like this culture is being hardened uh, around like America and, you know, what it is, the values that it, yeah. that it entails and uh, it's, it's, uh, it's intrinsic to it and yeah. and bypassing the opportunity. You didn't trade. You didn't want to flip a piece of real estate on Manhattan Island. Like you wanted to hold it, <laughs> you wanted to use it as collateral for credit. If you needed to access money, you use yeah. it as collateral for credit. But you need to hang on. To, you want to hang on to this thing because you don't want to be that guy in, you know, fifty years time when your grandkids say to you, hey, like, granddad, like, owned a whole bitcoin yeah. and you sold it. <laughs> what, what are you thinking?
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> When a a bitcoin's like $10 million and you're like...
1: That's the framing. Like, that's how you've got to think about this. If you are really good at trading and you can trade one Bitcoin into 1.1, 1.2 BTC and so on, like, try it. But, like, I wouldn't recommend
0: it. (laughs) Good luck to you. Because every time you do it, you run the risk. And this is the thing. Like, if you're a professional trader, you know how to manage risk i don't have to talk to you you mm. know what's going on if you don't know about trading and this is a weird thing about crypto oh, like it sucks in people to think they must trade because i, mm. I don't I, I don't i don't quite understand why maybe it's because it's so volatile and the trading opportunities are so high people are like i need to trade but like when you get into your ra or like unit trust you not trading that fucking thing you know like no one trades their ra you know they they just accumulates every every month um i mean that's a it's a it's a poor investment in my opinion, especially with mm. prescribed assets coming. But that's a whole other kettle of fish. Mm. But um, you, yeah, you don't you don't trade your unit trust. So why would you trade Bitcoin? Which is, you know, we would we would posit you the, the like the best asset that humanity has ever known. Like why would you mm. run that risk of giving it up? Mm. And your grandkids, like you said, are gonna look at you and be like, Dad, why mm. the f- granddad? Why did you buy a fucking Lambo? Like we could have a hundred Lamborghinis. What are you thinking? Are the factory. Like what the fuck what are you, doing? you thinking? Yeah, the, what's yeah. awesome about this
1: technology is and I'm sure you've got guys on your show to talk about this, but it it, it, like, it forces you to lower your time preference yeah. It forces you to prioritize saving over consumption, um, yeah. which which is the process of capital accumulation that leads to the next phase of prosperity. And I will say one thing I would like to see more from the Bitcoin community. Is is reinvestment? Look, I know we're in a phase of Mm -hmm. trying to create the standards of how this technology is going to be utilized by a broader society for the next secular cycle, as like sixty years, you know. And and that takes a lot of focus, dedication, and building, (laughs) right? And and you and you need to be like very dedicated to that process. But what I what I really want to start seeing is reinvestments of the of of some of the capital that's accumulated into new forms of media, new forms of education, where the Austrian schools of economics, you know, being mm-hmm. built, where those universities, where the cultural institutions, you know, where yeah. where are these things? Are the Bitcoiners investing in this? It's so important. Yeah, it's coming. You know, Ricky, like 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 when the culture around Bitcoin shifts, if it shifts, if mass adoption happens and the culture stays a fiat culture, mm. Bitcoin's not gonna last because then the consensus algo is gonna be changed. Like that twenty million cap's gonna be lifted. So so like investment into these cultural institutions are so, so critical and so important. I'd love to see more yeah. of that. I don't know if you've got some insight into more of what's going on perhaps on that side that yeah. I'm not seeing.
0: So there's a little bit of it happening. Um, I say a little bit. There's a lot of it happening. So there's a VC fund that's that's popped up now. I don't know if you know Marty Benz. So he's got the podcast Tales from the Crypt. Um, So Marty has been roped into a VC firm that is Bitcoin only. So they invest only in Bitcoin companies who are Bitcoin only um, and who focus on exactly these kind of things. Like like how do you build out the culture around it? So um, that these it's, it's 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 happening. Um, and I think mm-hmm. it's only going to be driven further. It's going to be accelerated by the likes of Justin Trudeau, who are like cutting people out of the economy at mass scale and have no choice but to turn to Bitcoin. And, and the biggest thing that Bitcoin has done for me is that it has changed the way that I look at the world. It's changed my time horizon. Just like you said, it has made me a long-term thinker. More than anything, you know, I've learned out of a book could have could have done, like Bitcoin culture has, has kind of taught me that and Bitcoin of just like hodling for the long term. And that's made me think of like, okay, what am I eating? Like, what is my, what am I putting into my body? Am I putting fiat sludge into my body? Um, mm-hmm. Or am I putting like good grass fed beef into my body mm-hmm. and like staying away from sugar and that kind of bullshit? Like I would never have come to that if it wasn't for the Bitcoin, like Bitcoin community and, and, and Bitcoin. so it is building its own, its own culture. And like you say, it needs reinvestment. Um, and that is happening. And, and I think controversial point, but I think toxic, uh, toxic Bitcoiners like toxic maxim- maximalism is key to this, um, because Bitcoin is a religion. At this point, mm-hmm. it has surpassed cult status. It is now a religion, and it has its uh, you know it's got its acolytes, its disciples, it's got its charlatans. Bitcoin Jesus has been cast out, you know, like Roger Vez on the, on the out. Um, <laughs> it's got it's got the dogma. It's got it's got the whole shebang around religion, and and what's culture. And this is coming from an atheist, right? But, like, what culture needs in order to progress and have staying power actually is some form of unifying religion that, like, ties it all together. Um, And that's how you can bring, like, people from different ethnic backgrounds together under, like, a common goal. Um, And that's how Christianity and Islam and and progress is successful.
1: And the thing is, um, like, there needs to be institutions that that transmits that culture mm. through time. So like we here yes. and culturally we, you know, we, we speak the same language, we have the same norms and customs and things and it, ma- it puts us into a place where we can relate and, mm. and deal with each other and negotiate and do all these things and kind of live together, you know. Mm. Um, but like that also needs to be, well that's, that's present and what's critical to maintaining that culture right now is a stable money. Because that's also like, obviously, how we, we measure yes. value. Yes. You know, we measure value, but we're a society of values, and, and these things are, are intricately linked. And that's in the present. But you've also got to be thinking about, like, how do you, how do you sustain a culture into the future so it doesn't change too much, like what's happening at the yep. moment? And that's where oh, these yeah. institutions need to be built in such a manner so that it, it doesn't change. Because if it does change, then the values around Bitcoin changes. And when the values around Bitcoin changes, Bitcoin changes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah. that's like, that's an area that's like, it's so important. It feels like, yeah. it feels like it's lacking. Maybe it's the stage that we're in, um, in terms of it being, being early days, hopefully, as the capital accumulation amongst the, the, the earlier adopters of Bitcoin grows over the next few years. like that that idea starts to snap, and you start to see new universities being built and new, all of these new institutions, you know, yeah, springing forth, we can put our kids into, Uh, because like, you know, my daughter, I've just moved to school um, in an environment where critical race theory was was coming into a primary school curriculum, like formally, you know, in assessments, and toxic Marxism coming into the classrooms. And so, so, yeah, So. Um,
0: <clears throat> yeah. absolutely. So, you know, yeah. the, the beautiful thing about Bitcoin and the consensus algorithm is that the intolerant minority of 5% is all it takes to keep Bitcoin the same. So we don't have that luxury in our universities, in our schools, in our, in our cultural institutions. We don't have that luxury where a toxic minority, like an intolerant minority, can maintain the status quo. So with Bitcoin, you need 95% consensus to change the rules, right? Mm. Um, mm-hmm. So we've Bitcoin has been set up to not change. Whereas like our schools, all it takes is an intolerant minority to move in and change. That 95% can be against them, but things can still change. So mm. um, we're lucky in that, in that regard that Satoshi had mm-hmm. the vision to be like, cultures change over time and things get fucked up. So, you know, let's make it so that they can't mm-hmm. change, especially with money. You don't want your money to change. But I, I totally agree mm-hmm. with you. Like Europe, Mm-hmm. not that many years ahead of me, but, like, a couple of years ahead of me where you've got kids already. I'm not in that position yet. But um, I'm going to homeschool my kids. If, if things stay, even if they stay exactly how they are now, I, but they won't, they'll get worse. But, like, there's no ways my kids are going to a, a, a normal, like, public school. Like, it's, it's too much risk. You know, like, my kids are getting it fucked up. Like, the critical race theory, especially private schools in South Africa. Um, I don't know if you know Richard Wilkinson, but he's been doing a lot of research mm-hmm. into this. Like the private schools in South Africa have been completely inhabited and captured by by critical race theory, um, you know. Like a student I've, will I've make a alleg- yeah, a, a student will make an allegation of racism. Um, then a lawyer will come in. The school will hire a lawyer to come and do an investigation. They'll find nothing. They'll be like, okay, this wasn't really racism. It's just someone he, he said she said. But we suggest that you do racial training anyway, and that's where the grift starts. And then they have like a CRT trainer come in to teach people about their like. I don't know, internalized misogyny or whatever fucking bullshit. Um, and, and, and that captures your entire education system. And the, it's the worst in the private schools, man. So, like, I went to an Afrikaans public school. I was lucky enough. Is that it? They'll be the last guys. To, yeah, yeah. Interesting. They'll be the last guys to, to resist that because <laughs> of they have a strong culture. Um, and I, at, at the time, I was like… Was that high know,
1: school like, or primary school?
0: Primary school through high school, the whole way through. Oh really um, oh, wow. I okay. never I yeah. never spent a single day in an English school in my life. Uh, even I went to Stellenbosch. So like zero English education. Thank you to my my parents are English, thank God, I went to Afrikaans schools. But <laughs> I managed to avoid Amazing. that nonsense. Yeah. So I was going to uh, say,
1: I was going to say, I mean, I think that's that's the cultural mm-hmm. that's the cultural art uh in yep. SA. I think um I mean, I've 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 moved my daughter to an Afrikan school. Um, there we go. <laughs> there's there's no talk of the stuff there. It's a private Afrikan school, a great little school. Um, yep. g- fascinating history. We can talk about it. I think another time. But like, um, there, yeah. That's I think where the retreat is going to take was going to go to. It feels like English has become. A culture, particularly in South Africa, people are not, sh- English culture, I have a friend who's a exactly. cartoonist, and he says, how do you draw, how do you draw an English South African? <laughs> it's someone who wears like a, sp- a Springbok jersey, basically, like a pale oak with, with a Springbok jersey, like how do you draw an English South African? There's, there's like no culture and heritage, really, and pe- the, the group is kind of lost, you know, and um, Which is very sad, and because English people have it been is here very for sad.
0: 250 years, you know, like English South Africans have a long history in South Africa. But they have lost. You've always knowledge. got one foot
1: somewhere else in some like Western liberal democracy. And so there's always an out. But what's interesting about the Africana culture is like, well, you're Afrikaners, you're don't. named after the continent. This you've you've yeah. created a new language, you know? Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. Which is which which just gives a signal of how like determined you are to remain in a place. Like you're changing your language and it's conservative. It's very it's very religious and Christian. Um, and um, yep. the stuff is not penetrating. The cost, the cost of attacking is kind of like Bitcoin. It's very yeah, difficult it's to life. attack at the culture. And I think I think the, the idea of what an Africana is is going to shift. The historian Herman Heliumy, Herman uh, I think it was him, said that around the time of the Second World War, the definition of an Afrikaner was someone who opposed involvement. In the war overseas, you're an Afrikaner. Yeah. You're not. You're not part of that. You know. Yeah. Um, and so the yeah. concept's also interesting, and and it, and it can change over time. And I think you're going to have a group of, of like European low menin and count uh, people living in in this area who are gonna you're gonna are gonna essentially immigrate domestically into the Africana yeah. culture. Yeah, uh, absolutely. To preserve certain yep. traditions, culture, like values, norms, all these things, and I think that culture also values sound money, yep, and the stability yep. that it offers because it, it, it's it's important to accumulating capital and preserving capital and passing it yep. through, and so you know that's that's it seems to be, um, I mean that's obviously the culture that I'm from. It's the culture that I build for. Um, but it's not exclusive either. Anyone can adopt this thing yep. because it's on the internet, right. which is what I love. Yep. I think a lot about like how do we, how do we bring, and this is not in my current role, but how do we put all the languages on this thing? Like how do we translate mm. the white paper into the different, you know, Satoshi's oh, white paper into different languages? I mean, this is happening.
0: This is yeah, happening. Yeah, I saw so, that. So it's cool. Our, one of our, yeah, one of our previous guests has got an open source con- like um, uh, translation service. You know, um, where they're translating all the seminal works. So I know a safety you know moose is watching this. Bro, give us the rights to the Bitcoin standard. Let us translate it into causa. Come on, you know? Why you gotta be like that? Anyway, um, so we 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 it's happening. I say we, well, I mean I'm not involved, but like I could maybe do some Afrikaans mm-hmm. translations for them. But it's happening. But it just just back to the Afrikaans thing, and like uh, my Afrikaans friends call me a banabur, um, and it's <laughs> it's because it's because I went to an Afrikaans school and I grew up in Afrikaans area my entire life. But I never lost my English culture because my parents are English mm. um, and mm. my home language is English. But having grown up culturally Afrikaans is quite important because I understand the way mm. that Afrikaans people think and the way mm. that their culture works. And when I was young, I didn't appreciate it. I was like, this is very conservative and I, I feel like very trapped. But like, the older I get, the more I look at Afrikaans culture and I'm like, mm, okay, you guys are doing mm. something right here. And, and Mm -hmm. to be honest, like if there's, if the world goes to shit, if there's one culture I want to go and ingratiate myself with and and work with, it'll be Afrikaans people because they are super, well, I don't know all cultures on earth, so I can't speak for everyone, but from what I know, I would go to Afrikaans people because they're hardworking, they're honest, um, and they get shit done, you know, um, so, and, and I think they've been liberated, they've been liberated since the end of apartheid because apartheid did them no favors, you know, uh, national Socialism It essentially was a Nazi regime That they were running Minus the gas mm. chambers But mm-hmm. the, the average Afrikaner's income Didn't grow faster Than the average European Who wasn't like Being um, Put on a pedestal And helps out By a benevolent government You know like it's It doesn't, doesn't help anyone So They've had to adopt The free market Massively Since the end of apartheid And um, yeah. You can see Like the net wealth Has gone through the roof So um, yeah. yeah I think that I think that the Dutchmen are going to be okay, you know. <laughs> and yeah, uh, the so, I, 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 could, I, take a leaf
1: out of their book. I agree. I think there's going to be a big Anglo move in SA into Afrikaner culture, and um, mm. that's going to be interesting. I uh, also like. Mm. I also think while government is talking about changing the constitution to make it possible to expropriate land with, you know, with no compensation. Yeah. <clears throat> we've got. We've got new digital properties that yep. is blue sky for everyone. Like yep. doesn't matter what your skin color is, doesn't matter what language you speak, doesn't matter where you come from, like what your position is right now. I know people who didn't have much capital a couple of years ago, but they understood, did s- spent a bit of time reading about Bitcoin, right. started buying way. Bitcoin slowly, and they're now in a position where they have proper, decent capital behind them and they can do things. And they're in a position where they're not like, you know, indebted, which which like enslaves you. Essentially, you need to keep earning a salary to pay off this debt. Um, It it, it buys you freedom, you know, and like I wish I wish more people in SA would like see this. I don't think the government's going to see it, but like other other people hopefully can see it and like, you know, level playing field. It's a new language for money. The operating system is global and universal. It doesn't matter where you sit in this country. You can be sitting in a room, in your bedroom. If you've got like a phone, a laptop, you can start learning about this and building applications and businesses that like make this technology more useful to people. And you can scale that over the internet. Like you don't need bank branches. You don't need licenses to do this stuff. You can scale it to people all over the world. So like access to market is phenomenal. You know, all these yep. barriers to building businesses have been eliminated for this. The barrier is just taking the time to learn this language. It's a new language. And that's also what's so cool. Like yep. it's a new yep. language for money that we can all agree on. Doesn't matter if I speak Afrikaans yep. and someone speaks Chinese. This language is the same. We can analyse the source code. It's the same everywhere yep. and we can agree on it that this does what it does. The costs around the traditional banking system, why it's so expensive to move money from SA to say China is because there's you're moving a loan between countries in the first place. That comes with all yeah. sorts of risks, laws that need to be translated, you know, between different parties. They've got to be enforced in courts. You've got to have different Public police list. negotiating with each other, armies. Yeah. I mean, it's so costly. And that's why, you know, the cost of adopting Bitcoin and building businesses on top of it is just so much lower and that opportunity yep. to me is so big. So let's shift the conversation away from like taking traditional types of property towards like, how do we own this new yep. stuff? How do we become like proper global players here?
0: Um, yep. yep. And you know, mm-hmm. the biggest thing for me is that the, the impoverished in South Africa have no way to get out of the inflation rat race. You don't mm-hmm. own a property. You don't own any assets that are inflation resistant. Like you don't have a stock portfolio. Um, no, so, exactly. so, so, so how Bitcoin is the only, and cryptocurrency at large is the only way that these guys are going to beat inflation. Um, of the short term, I'd say cryptocurrency. Over the long term, I'd say Bitcoin, because short term volatility on 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 crypto mm-hmm. obviously is super high. Like Doge last year mm-hmm. as well, but like creating that speculative culture that comes with with altcoins like that's mm-hmm. i'm not about that but you know long term mm-hmm. i think the only way that someone who's living in a shack is able to pull themselves out of poverty in a 10-year period is just by accumulating 100 round a bitcoin a month you know like that'll materially mm-hmm. change your life in a 10-year period and you'll yeah. we'll come out further ahead than someone who's living in constantia who's not doing that because he is in the he's living comfortably and doesn't have to so like for me it's a absolute game changer and that's why businesses yeah. that can enable people to buy 10 rands worth of bitcoin and self-custody immediately like that yes. that is the holy grail to yeah. empowering like the, the bitcoin mean, in South Africa
1: okay so government doesn't want to give me the title to this this property that I have
0: yep.
1: okay there's new kinds of property that are superior yep. that I can actually own this stuff and I can buy small amounts of it every month and if I can do that yep. consistently over time like I'm gonna be in a good place. And if I can prove that I hold the private key, like I've got the title to this digital property. Yep. You know, bang. Whole world everything changes around you, you know? Everything changes. That's and and everything changes.
0: That parasite class gets removed. It's literally like the world is taking an anti-worming pull and like the parasite class just gets ejected because those like that class that does nothing, but that is positioned closest to the the, the the money spigot. You know the cantillionaires, like the tenderpreneurs and those guys who just because government can print money and give it to them. The guys who made money out of out of defogging or, or, or fogging classrooms and like sanitizing classrooms for COVID, right? Like that bullshit where they made like five hundred. I think the Gauteng Department of Education spent like over five hundred million rand on sanitizing classrooms. Like that mm. shit goes away on a Bitcoin standard, um, you know, and and. It gives me hope that the very hardworking, honest, productive people who are living at the bottom tier of society can actually now start to get ahead. You know, like yeah. it's, um, it's 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 revolutionary in, in that sense, and the the level of of yeah. um, co- that, uh, cooperation that that brings, because most people just want to get along. You know, most people want to want to cooperate and work together, and like Bitcoin empowers all of that. So it makes me it makes me very optimistic. Um, there's obviously going to be a bit of some growth pains when the bankers are kicking and screaming, you know, but hopefully we, hopefully yeah. we win um, and we usher in this, this bright new yeah. future. But yeah, you, you know, like there's, uh, there's,
1: there's, there's, there's I'm reading this book by Tim Wu, uh, The Master Switch. I don't know if you've read it mm. really, really interesting. It talks to information networks. It looks at the history of, of information networks and how. There tends to be like massive centralization. So like in the early 1900s, the Bell Network was massively centralized and they had all these major innovations and they could distribute this through this fixed line infrastructure that they had. And the moment it gets that big and that monopolistic, the disruptors come in and change the game. And it was similar. You can think about the internet, like the yep. early days of the internet, all this opportunity, all these startups, the dot com, dot com boom. Now, all of a sudden, massively centralized, and you've got these big players yep. dominating. Now, you've got a new yep. technology um, that gives us the ability to decentralize control and power away from these arcs again. Yes. Um, but yes. the risk now is, and this, com- this comes back to the cultural aspect of this, is maybe you can't change the cycle. But I'm hopeful you can if you can embed into early adopters and even later adopters the principles espoused by like this thing low time mm. preference, sign money, mm. take responsibility for your money, you know? and manage yeah. your own keys, take the risk. Like, you good. know, do these things because the moment people start adopting and they get lazy, centralization risk is there. You know? And then it's if there. It's, if it can be
0: centralized it- yeah if it can be centralized it will be co-opted and then it's fucked. like exactly that's what and happens. then we're
1: going to need something else again and like yeah. but and so this is why this this era and this is why bitcoin maximalism is so important like yeah. i'm not i don't know the future mm. i don't know what the market's going to decide on i think bitcoin's the soundest money i also think ethereum's not money i don't think eth is money like bitcoin is money I think the two are like gold and oil. They're different, you know? They're different different assets. And we can't just have one asset. We're gonna have different types of digital assets. Um, But the the values embedded in in maximalism, not the toxic stuff where you diss everyone and like get all hectic. The values need to be built into some kind of cultural institution so that these values can be transmitted into the future to following generations. Otherwise, it's gonna become centralized and just Gonna, Go to shit. Gonna be, it's going to be the same. Yep. Yep. You know, yep. the opportunity for for large centralized exchanges to lend out fractionally is there because you oh, can't yeah. order. Oh, yeah. There's not all that transparency. This, this I is mean, that's the
0: game. That's what that's what they're going to trend towards, right? Like you know that will happen. Hundred percent.
1: Hundred percent. And so, so the regulators are probably going to be different entities. You know, because there'll be standards that evolve. Within this industry, that will lead to new types of regulatory agencies. It's not going to be the traditional ones. Uh, they're they're not going to have the competence. They'll be different. Be
0: the nodes, yeah, will be the nodes. Hopefully, like
1: whatever that yeah. looks like, it's going to be a new type of regulatory standard-setting body, which is going to be informed by cultures, like values and norms of the community, and and they need to be somehow protected. Um, hmm. If not, then you get problems. I think what's, what's interesting to me about the, the contracts on like Ethereum is that you have the ability to form more sophisticated agreements. Yep. And that to me is interesting. Yep. But that doesn't yep. make Ether competitive to Bitcoin, you know?
0: Yep. Yep.
1: But Bitcoin's, Bitcoin's culture is so important because some of the stuff I'm seeing from the Ethereum community is not cool. There was a guy who was cancelled from one of the big um, uh, Ethereum name service (ENS) for yep. tweeting about his religious beliefs, biblical scripture. The guy tweeted recently,
0: and, and they
1: he it. was basically pushed out of pushed out pushed pushed out of the the community. You know, and so there's there's this stuff that's also there, and it's and it's it's not that lacquer, and that's why the Maxi yep. view that anchors the space because you got like on the one extreme, you've got massive decentralization, censorship resistance, like critical. Yeah. It had to be that way for Bitcoin to get where it is today. And now you've got innovation in less decentralized, more centralized consensus algorithms, essentially. And you've got this long tail of stuff that Oaks are experimenting with. If Bitcoin starts to shift, you've got a problem in general. Like it needs to be anchored here to pull everything closer to where it's at. And so, yeah. yeah. Um,
0: are, are you a Game of Thrones uh, fan? Did you read the books or watch the watch the series?
1: I watched the series. Uh, it was cool.
0: Okay. So, so you remember in Game of Thrones where the religious group took over and they had all these plebs, the minions, the sparrows, who were like... The, gro- the, the like the shock troops on the ground, basically like enforcing this religious theocracy. It was basically like a, a peasant's revolt, but it was um, driven by, like they, they they coalesced around a religion, which is like typically how it goes historically. And that's what I see happening in Bitcoin. You've got this pleb movement of like people who are like hmm. are like fractional coiners. You know, like they got into mm-hmm. Bitcoin in like 2018, 2019. They have no hopes of well, they will they will get like the aim for them is to become a whole coiner, right? Like to accumulate like one Bitcoin, but like. It's just average Joes. They're plebs. They're toxic as fuck. They are like, literally like, this is the rules of Bitcoin. We want low time preference. We want to lift weights, eat meat, get in the sun, tell the man to fuck off. You know, like it's this whole culture that is like spreading outward from Mm -hmm. maximalism, from toxic maximalism, which uh, the further it gets from the center becomes less and less toxic. It's the way that, you know, these things go. And, and, And this is why I see it as a religion and why it's so important because like, Within Islam, for example, you've got ISIS, like, you've got the radical, like, guys who are, like, decapitating people and stuff. And then you've got the people in the Burqa here in Cape Town who are, like, the most lovely, nicest, like, the best people you're ever going to find who are, like, Muslims that are, are, are like, embodying, like, the, the, the best aspects of Islam, you know? And the same for Christianity. You've got, like, the Spanish Inquisition. Um, and then you've got, like... Your, your aunt is like an evangelical Christian, but is the nicest person on earth. And like, this is what, what needs to be created by, like you said, like by this culture, but it needs a strong core um, that, that adheres to dogma. Unfortunately, like this is the way that it fucking goes. And this is what I've come to realize. And like, um, it kind of has a religious connotation around it. And it starts out as like a decentralized thing where everyone's like, cool, we coalesce around these ideas and like we're figuring it out. And then over time moves towards organized religion. But hopefully with Bitcoin, we can get to the point where it's not actually organized, centralized religion. Because it is no central, like, body that can, like the Catholic Church, like the, 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 the Pope and the Vatican, that can maintain um, the center. Hopefully, it, it can coalesce around the white paper. But who knows? I, yeah. I mean, it's it's, it's evolving. It's a, it's, it's a very interesting thing, like, anthropogenically, to watch it unfold. Um, yeah. And, and. I'm here for the tech and for the culture, like the number go up thing. Like when you've been in it long enough, you're like, "That's cool," but like, there's more interesting things to to look at in Bitcoin than just the the value, you know, going the price going up. Um, yeah, but look, like you said, I think, it, it, it is central.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, obviously when you first put capital at risk in this thing, you w- you watch it closely. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> because it's money that, like, you know. Yeah, um, but when you thirty percent down, it's tough. <laughs> Yeah, it's not lacquer, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but over time, as you get into a more comfortable position with this, because you're able to hold. And, and that's the yeah. other thing. You know, people will say, oh, you guys are so lucky that you got in so early. As if it's easy. As if it's easy to yeah. hold on to this asset. Yeah. And yeah, it's the right. wildest asset. It's the wildest freaking asset. I mean, yeah. to hold on to this thing is not easy you God know easy. i remember i remember getting shaken out of positions back in 2016 17 you, you get freaked yep. out by china bands you know how many china bands have there yep. been and it happens and it's in the news and you get a little scared yeah. and you sell and and then you're having to buy back at a higher price um but uh, it's not easy you know just people green. just That's need to you like, like yeah. you got to take a big macro view on this thing and allocate slowly over yep. time and uh, I think if you're really smart, yeah. you put a couple hundred bucks, if you can, for your kids now. You know, yeah, you create absolutely. a sub account on a crypto exchange and start buying, and hand over those keys when they're 21. You we'll know? do soon, it on Bitvice. We'll
0: do it coming on Bitvice. Soon. Yeah, we've got a we've got a your child's retirement fund product coming soon, where you buy a hard wallet for your kid, you set up a recurring debit order straight to their hot cold storage, then you get it in whenever you feel like giving it to them. But yeah, that's one of the things we're releasing soon. Um, my nice. brother gave me my brother gave me a, a Garmin watch mm-hmm. about a year ago, um, and um, I was wearing it. And uh, I remember seeing like a massive drop in the Bitcoin price. It was like a thirty percent drop, whatever. And I looked at the, I remember looking at the price, and I looked at the watch, and my pulse like didn't change. And I was like, "Cool, I've been in this long enough." <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs>
1: watch faulty, send it back. <laughs> no,
0: but like, no, but, but like when you've been in it for, when you've been in it for a long time. And the price drops 30%. You've seen this like a hundred times. You're like, oh, whatever. Yeah. You know, like I have more important things to do. Like how do I, how do I figure out how to get this lightning app working? You're like, yeah, this morning I was fucking around trying to get a, like a lightning jukebox working where you can pay sets to like a remote server. And then it starts playing a track on Spotify. You know, like, I'm like, that's, that's more interesting to me than the price right now. I couldn't tell you what the price is right now. I literally have no idea. Um, and I run a Bitcoin company. You know, mm. that, that's just what comes with time when you've been in this in this market for so long. Well, there's people that been way longer than me, but like you just, volatility is the name of the game and you, you start relaxing and, and it's so important to know it changes your decision-making process when you have a, a you've got sets that are sitting in your, in your cold storage and you're like, it's fuck you money. It really is fuck you money because like it's it's, it's it changes your entire decision-making process. You don't, you're not in debt first off that's a big one um, and then secondly like you have this like store value that you know is going to go up over time because the world has gone crazy and your boss like chewing your ear off is kind of immaterial you just need to figure out how to you know get him to calm down so you can keep debt mining and keep accumulating your Bitcoin stack um, but it, it totally changes it, it changes who you what's are what's also interesting about this stuff
1: is like it's 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 the most amazing incentive alignment model that it, like I've seen, you know, um, yep. I see a lot of a lot of colleagues and you know people around me in the banking industry who, you know, talk about stable coins and CBDCs and private chains and building these things. And yeah, you know, I've had meetings at the blockchain consortium where a guy says to me, "Ah, Bitcoin's never going to work because like stable coins and CBDCs <laughs> are the future." And I was like, okay. Um, why I'm not sure why he's saying that but okay maybe it's just the organization's view or whatever but next thing the guy's out of the bank and he's 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 building some Bitcoin applications you know and and a business around around Bitcoin and and the the way that this works is guys are accumulating the asset because they understand it they need to say what the bank kind of wants them to say around the stuff. Oh, yeah. Stable coins, CVDCs, Bitcoin doesn't work. It's got no value, you know, all this yeah, um, but then the moment. But the moment you've got enough capital, like you can now make a move. And what do you yeah. want to do? You want to build something yeah. that, that accrues value to this network that brings more people yeah. into this network. Now, some people yeah. are going to say, oh, that seems a bit like a Ponzi scheme. No, it's the scarcest asset that's ever existed in the history of the world. Ever, there's never been an asset like this ever, and and you now want to see the success of this asset, and the success of this asset comes through network effects. It means you need to make it easier for people to use. You need to build a business now, like you guys are doing, to make it build e- you know easier to. To access this thing and transact yep. in this thing and do all this stuff. Yep. And you also want to do it in a way that aligns with the original kind of values of the community. Because if you don't do that, that's also going to start diluting the value of the scarce asset. And so like everything just works beautifully for good here, like for it to be a success over the longer term. And that's what's so awesome. You know, that's what I yep. love about this thing. Um,
0: Satoshi Nakamoto deserves a Nobel Peace Prize and a Nobel Prize in economics. like. 100%. This guy, what he has put together gives me chills and getting goosebumps just thinking about it. like what he has managed to put together and how he's aligned incentives and taken human behavioral economics into account is, is, is phenomenal. Um, mm. But on, on that point that you raised about CBDCs, you have an inside track to CBDCs. Um, what's your view on them? What do you think is happening? Uh, yeah. Do you think we, we're going we're gonna to see the CBDC world here in South Africa?
1: Look, I've been involved in local, local projects and also an international project. And what was interesting about the international project is there were three or four bankers who spoke up and said, but what are we trying to solve for here? Because DeFi kind of does this, you know, yeah. what are we trying to do? We're trying to create these these new settlement systems multi-currency settlement systems, you know, Andre Cronier is building that stuff <laughs> and fixed forex yeah. type, type of thing. Like, why, why are we doing yeah. this? So what's interesting is compared to four years ago, guys, in the banking industry, I was actually starting to understand that, like, you're not getting a 10x improvement by now just using a blockchain, which could be just a, a smarter database. Yeah, on AWS. Know? Why yep. the cost? Why, why do all of this, you know, like some of the real innovations of Bitcoin and some of the other stuff that's happening, I think, on Ethereum. There's interesting yep. coordination models in Ethereum that I haven't really seen happening on Bitcoin outside of like closed servers, you know, yep. Um so that's the one thing. So like it seems like guys are starting to understand and that naturally means like adoption of some of these public systems is likely to be happening going forward because like the costs of building this is high. Yeah. And then, and then, like if you think about like um, CBDCs in a in a in a banking industry, um, not all banks are aligned. Like, it's hard to change your ledgers. We, you know, before <laughs> yeah. offline, we were talking about legacy systems and 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 how difficult it is to change these things. You have apps for apps for apps to make different ledgers inside banks. Give them the ability to communicate with each other. Like, to get a bank now to willingly move on to a CBDC when their existing money is already electronic is difficult. Like, what's what's the value prop? Like, what's the payoff? And so, like, yep. the, and the motivation and the trade-offs in terms of, you know, cost-benefit analysis for every single bank is different, firstly. So it's very hard to move an industry on, a, like, a stable coin project, let's say. For CBDCs, it's a similar thing. A central bank is going to issue a, a digital token on a blockchain off of their balance sheet. But central banks are not in the business of intermediates credit and capital. What's that going to look like? The way that central banks do this is via the banking system. Banks intermediate credit, essentially, you know. They are the, the transmission mechanism of money into the broader economy. All of the digital money that we use sits on bank balance sheets. The central bank yeah. now goes and creates a CBDC. If it's just another digital token that the banks have to distribute, why bother?
0: Hmm.
1: What like banks are going to say? Well, what was, What's the is benefit? It, like it, we've already got digital money. So the motivation needs, needs to be to something else. The, the motivation needs to be we're going to bypass the banks via technology companies.
0: Right. Exactly right. Yeah. In a place like South Africa,
1: that could be possible if if there's narrative of monopoly capital control of banks is, is, you know, pervasive in government.
0: Yeah.
1: I don't know if it is. Um, and you want to create a state well, bank the, that well, works with tech companies.
0: Bank. Narrative is strong.
1: Then it then it then it becomes an option. But once again, it's 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 a complicated thing to go and mm. launch something like this for a central bank. Like think about it. central banks don't have wallets. They don't have apps. They deal with banks in a wholesale funding market, you know, and dips. regulate them. So, I, yeah, look, it's, um, I think the game theory and the cost benefit of all the different stakeholders inside a financial system, we haven't even touched on like the likes of payments processes, you know, mm-hmm. that move EFTs around. What yeah. happens to them? What do they
0: do? You're just going to cut yeah. them out?
1: Like, what role do they play? A lot of these intermediaries essentially get eliminated. Like, So and then on top of that, you now got to start creating new technological systems to make it possible for whoever is moving this new kind of money around to do reporting to the Financial Intelligence Center, you know, for anti-money laundering and counter financing of terrorism reports. Uh, sure. You've got to have the, the, the analytical tools to generate alerts. That's got to go into a process where people are analyzing these alerts, generating reports. There's a lot of stuff that needs to get built. I think my, my, my take is that public decentralized systems win before it's possible to really roll any of the stuff out in scale. That's my take. It's too difficult.
0: Oof, the incentives are not out. aligned.
1: <laughs> so the incentives are not aligned that's the challenge and whereas the incentives on the other side is perfectly aligned it couldn't be better aligned and so the innovation is going to happen and the adoption is going to happen because it's just it's a network effect juggernaut like when when a company like tesla you know they said they accepted bitcoin and then i think misguidedly said oh it consumes too much energy they're going to stop adopting yeah. it for now i mean why don't they just black like, bullet bullet lightning integration guys like Right. You have to go to Dogecoin, yep. Build Lightning yep. integration. That's like free, yep. instant. Like you know, yep. um, think about the the process that happens at, 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 with with management at an entity like that. Okay, so we're going to accept, we're going to put some Bitcoin on our balance sheet as a treasury, you know, strategy for following reasons X Y Z whatever the reasons are, all the things we've discussed. Um, now. Now it performs. Now now it does okay. You manage that position. You start to think, okay, flip, maybe we need to start accepting this as payment because it gives us the ability directly now to sell our product, to earn more of this thing, to accumulate more. And so like that was the Tesla process that was happening, MicroStrategy is doing the same thing. And and all of a sudden you have a bunch of big companies doing this and everybody's able to pay with Bitcoin. And all of these companies have Bitcoin on their balance sheets. I mean, that in and of itself is a network effect juggernaut that's like almost unstoppable, you know. Um, They obviously have the risk of big companies like being censored and controlled and stopped from doing this, but it'll probably also happen in a way um, where, like we were saying, maybe small businesses start doing it too, you know, and it's much harder to control, can't be forced down top down, and it's happening globally where there's regulatory arbitrage. You yep. know, so you can set up in Switzerland and sell stuff online or whatever, but you can actually still accept Bitcoin or, you know, whatever it looks like. But there's going to be huge amounts of regulatory arbitrage. you got the, I mean, El Salvador has Bitcoin's Most legal tender and it looks like there's more coming. Yeah. And, and obviously yeah. what's interesting about that is like under the, the foreign exchange regulations in South Africa, the legal tender of foreign nations are currencies. Bitcoin should actually be seen as a currency alongside the yes. dollar right now all this talk of like regulating bitcoin and all this stuff seems pointless to me it's a currency it's the legal tender of a nation state el salvador and more countries are going to adopt it treat it like a currency guys
0: yeah or play catch up and lose you know because because this is a first mover thing el salvador has gone from being one of the... In the next 10 years, in my estimation, is going to have gone from being one of the poorest... In the in the bottom 25% poorest countries on earth to move to the top 25%. I reckon that's going to happen in the next 10 years mm-hmm. because of the decisions mm-hmm. and because of the leadership of a young leader who has massive popular support and has managed to be able to push through this, this, the regulatory changes and has the foresight and the guidance to see what's happening. Um, and so El Salvador, which translates to the savior... Which you know, it's, it's not lost on me, um, but it, it, it's phenomenal to see what they're doing, um, and and I think the next domino to fall is going to be a much bigger player. Um, sure, we might see we might see a, another Central American company, like a country like Guatemala, or like one other dollarized nations fall. But I think Russia might might move on this. Um, Russia mm. is resource rich; they have a large amount of oil and gas. They'll be they've just They've just moved to regulate Bitcoin um, as a currency and to remove restrictions on mm-hmm. it. This happened yesterday, I think. Um, mm-hmm. And I think for them to start accepting payments for oil and gas and Bitcoin is a major boon for them and a first mover advantage. Mm-hmm. And they can't be stopped because they're a nuclear power. Mm-hmm. It's not like the US can invade Russia like they can invade El Salvador. They can topple. Out, they can topple Bukele tomorrow, you know, and, and be done with it. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they're trying their best to do it. They just released the paper. Um, the, from one of the committees on foreign relations, released a paper on how important it is to stop El Salvador from doing what they're doing. Like, it's out in the open. But they can't do that to Russia. Um, and the more the US threatens to cut Russia out of SWIFT, the more it pushes them towards Bitcoin. Well, and if Russia adopts no, Bitcoin mean- first, it's, Iran it's a game was check. cut out.
1: Yeah. Russia has yeah. been yeah. cut out. They've all been building Venezuela. alternatives to SWIFT for some time. SWIFT is just a messaging yeah. system with super, oh, yeah. super strong network effects. There are 11,000 yes. banks in the world connected to SWIFT. Out of interest, there's yes. more than 11,000 nodes in Bitcoin. There's okay. <laughs> um, over 100,000.
0: Yeah. And they're all equal. Yeah. Whereas the banks on SWIFT yeah. are not.
1: Not, and, uh, not. Um, but what's what's interesting about the geopolitics around this is, I'd say the South African government is more aligned with the east would be more yeah. aligned with russia than with america russia. um and what's Absolutely. what's going to be interesting more i think El
0: Salvador than america
1: yes and and what yeah. what will be interesting is this imperial power um yeah. manipulating their ideological allies i'll say uh in yeah. a sense um and maybe history the south history. african government goes oh, this is interesting like if we had to get cut out of swift what are we going to use if Russia is adopting Bitcoin, jeez, maybe we should be adopting Bitcoin. What does that look like? And then suddenly, like, this looks very different. It's a very different geopolitical discussion. And I think that's also where we're going with the stuff, you know. Yeah. So even even the South African government, and it probably will surprise a lot of people are going to look on Bitcoin quite favorably uh, in, in that in that type of, in that type of scenario. Yeah.
0: I mean, I'm, I'm uh. more interested in the, in the South African civic institutions uh, than mm. the South African government, but that's just me because of my sure. personal views. But I have come to expect the worst from the South African government. But like you say, they do align with the East much more closely. And the East is being forced into a corner by America to make a choice. Mm. And Russia, you can say what you want about Putin, but he's a good chess player. Um, you know, like he, mm. he, he thinks a couple of steps mm. ahead. And they're a big, hmm. big exporter of natural resources, and Bitcoin is a perfect fit for them to to flare their surplus where they can't make sales. For example, in the summer season, where they've got large amounts of natural gas, Europe's not buying offtake. Mine Bitcoin, you know, like. And if you don't, if you cut out of the SWIFT system, especially, like all of a sudden, now the Russian state can fund itself. Um, yeah. Same goes for China. I mean, I would, I would think North Korea is already mining Bitcoin, most likely, because how the hell else are they? Are they trading? You know, and we know yeah, that Venezuela was, and Russia was, are trading in Bitcoin already.
1: Yeah. So, like, this is one of those things that the bankers will will not, you know, it's it's a reason to look unfavourably, uh, you know, upon oh, Bitcoin yeah. that these rogue, rogue nations are using the thing. Um, but yeah. what I also wanted to say was what I think is going on with the SA regulatory. You know, I'm talking about this because. I'm kind of close to this, you know, uh, yeah. yeah. and I think what's going on and I, I know you may be not that interested in this, but I, a lot of people ask me about this stuff. And so, you know, I'll talk about it. Maybe there's some of the listeners that find this interesting, <laughs> hopefully. But the direction that SA regulations are going in with 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 treating Bitcoin as a foreign asset. So yeah. if you treat Bitcoin as a foreign currency now. Uh, because El Salvador's made it legal tender. What you're essentially going to have is a foreign currency operating alongside the RAN that they have no control over. Yes. You know? And uh, so that's an interesting dynamic. I think that's what's going to be happening over time. And, and you're yep. going to see this, this, this black market developing as South Africans adopt this new technology. And it's going to be interesting to see how, like how that plays out. You know, because that, again, is one of these sort of Wall Street bets, GameStop, oh, yeah. Canada truckers type situations, possibly. Uh, but if Russia is moving in a direction of legalizing it, maybe it gets like suddenly just legalized in SA and adopted very broadly, which would be yeah. flipping obviously super bullish for SA as, a, as, as, a, like, as an economic oh, yeah. story. I mean, yeah, I, was a, I was an economist before I got into this stuff full time. And uh, I used to analyze for a couple of years the Africa macro. And I was a super bear on African macro when everyone is bullish, you know, um, just because I, I, thought, I saw it differently and um, yep. I had the arguments to kind of back it up. But if you look at the history of African macro development, it's just capital const- destruction time after time as currencies get hyperinflated. Yep. And, and obviously what Bitcoin offers is, the, is a stable foundation on top of which to accumulate capital for many more generations. And yes. you have this ability to adopt this quite frictionlessly right now. Yeah. Like you can't just adopt dollars easily. You know, you got to have a bank account, you got to have all these things. And it's mostly in a physical form in Africa as well, which doesn't make it interoperable with the Internet, but Bitcoin's got yep. all these attributes and characteristics. Oh, yeah. And so I think um, I mean, I haven't been following the Africa adoption story that closely um, it seems to me that most of the innovation and adoption is happening in the West. I mean, if you look at the node counts, it's all sitting in Europe and the U.S. Mm. There's not that many nodes around mm. Africa. Um, but yeah, hopefully, hopefully that starts to shift. At least this technology is available for people who understand it to get, a, get on a massive front foot economically and make a difference to their lives and their communities around them. You know,
0: you know the highest per capita adoption, aside from El Salvador, is Nigeria. In the world, for Bitcoin, so the Nigerian story is that arbitrage was huge in Nigeria. Obviously, Nigerians mm-hmm. have a have a, have a um, got street cred for being industrious, um, to put it mildly. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the Nigerian crypto market was booming, um, and people were obviously remittances <laughs> is quite high in Nigeria. And the government decided we are we are going to stop conversion of from Bitcoin into the naira can't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. So Luno is I the remember, biggest yeah. exchange player. Yeah. Luno is the biggest exchange player in Nigeria. Overnight, they had to stop conversion yeah. and withdrawal of Naira's users' bank accounts. So huge, uh, like people were, were very upset about it, but it looked like that. Overnight, it moved to the P2P market. And this is what exactly, we're going to see happen yeah. in Canada as well, where <laughs> exactly. they're actually like stopping exchanges. It went it yeah. went from from single-digit adoption rates to over 30% adoption rates in the space of a month, where the whole of Nigeria was like, oh, hang on, what the fuck is going on here? Uh, we can exchange this P2P. Um, and the price of Bitcoin in Nigeria had like a 40% premium over the global like average price. And so the harder they clamp down on it, the more it just flourished because Bitcoin is money for enemies, right? Like that's, that's mm-hmm. like its whole value prop. So I think we're gonna see a mass growth of Bitcoin P2P markets in Canada. First off, BISC is gonna go wild. Because they're going to stop exchanges from selling Bitcoin and converting Bitcoin. So P2P is going to be huge. Um, and in Africa, Nigeria, we've seen that grow there. Um, in South Africa, I think we'll see the same. If the government goes the route of trying to clamp down, they will just speed adoption. That's what happens every time. If they mm. open up, adoption will probably be slower. But the government will be able to take a slice of the pie. If they crack down on it, they'll get nothing. Like in Nigeria, they cracked down, they got fuck all, all. And then they were like, okay, whoa, hang on, guys. And also, there were a bunch of Nigerian ministers, obviously in the cabinet, who were like, "Well, we've got a lot of Bitcoin, so like maybe we don't want to be too harsh on this, because um, obviously Nigeria is a very corrupt country." So the game theory is just so strong, um, and, it, and, and and essentially the government does not have the ability to go door to door and confiscate people's Bitcoin. That's what it comes down to. They don't have the manpower. Yeah, the, sure. the, At the end of the day yeah, is what it's the, about.
1: The sort of it's it's this highly defensive technology because the asymmetry um, and the it creates this massive asymmetry where you have to go door to door in order to confiscate these assets, right? You can't just, yeah. like they're doing in Canada, tell the banks to just go through a list of an Excel spreadsheet and block the following accounts. Yeah. Like, it doesn't work like that. Block
0: yet. these addresses. Cool, bro. Yeah. We're not reusing addresses. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they have um, no idea.
1: <laughs> no. So that asymmetry, it's this highly defensive technology, which is obviously yeah. awesome. But like... Um, What was I going to say? So also the the dynamics inside institutions is obviously interesting, too. They follow similar patterns everywhere, whether you're talking about a commercial bank or, um, you know, uh, big tech companies or you're talking about like regulatory bodies. you Typically, the sort of the silver haired guys are very uncomfortable with new ways of doing things. They've they've come into their roles and have responsibilities around like stewarding a business for shareholders and staff and all yeah. of the customers and all these things where they don't really want to change the ways of doing things too much. But yeah. if you go into like 30 to 45, maybe 50 age bracket, people are still thinking, well, I've still got like 20 years left of working. I want to build something that's at least going to be there more, there more or less where the puck's going over that time, Fred. Um, and yep. so, so those guys, even within the regulatory bodies, are thinking about crypto, They own crypto, They own Bitcoin, They yep. thinking and understanding the technology, but they have to present to a board of governors that says, no, we're not doing it that way. So what I think is also going to happen over time is you can have this generational turning in the regulatory yep. stakeholders who go from being against this thing to very pro this thing which yes. is also going to be quite interesting because, the, because at that stage, they're going to have capital in it and value in it. Yeah. And you want to, you want to play a role to try and preserve that. And again, it comes back to the alignment of incentives of this thing. It's, it's yeah. awesome.
0: Yeah. You know, one of the things that I'd love to be able to do, um, in the, in the future is, is get bitwise to a position where we can go to young members of the central bank of the Saab who are into Bitcoin in the thirties and be like, Hey, hey bro, We'll hire you. Come with us. Because you know the game. You're in. You probably have some Bitcoin. Obviously, we'll, we'll run the checks. <laughs> be like a Bitcoiner. And then hire them. And just just take the talent. And that's what's going to happen is you're going to see these crypto companies building up and just sucking talent out of the regulators who are trying mm-hmm. to slow this down and, and, you know, maybe destroy it or stop it or whatever entrenched position they have. And they'll just be sucked into pro crypto companies because like the, the the growth is just too much. Um and you'll end up, we're seeing you'll it, end up just we're seeing it already eh? enemy. Um and they'll be forced to adopt. Already? We're seeing it already.
1: You yeah, know we're seeing we're seeing talent leaving leaving banks going into crypto businesses. Like it's happening. Mm-hmm. Interestingly, especially on the compliance side. Beautiful. Like a lot of compliance guys moving across, but then yeah. also business likes you know, yeah. looking for roles yeah. in, in the crypto space. Like, um, on the on the developer side, obviously there's been a move constantly. Also yeah. because the the salaries are actually more lucrative in crypto dev, yeah. you know, directly deving in that, you know, for for yeah. you know,
0: Super bitcoin businesses. Skills, and yeah. that.
1: Um, yeah. On the business side, yeah. <clears> like the the those businesses can't quite pay, but I think we're reaching that inflection point now where the bitcoin businesses will be able to pay and move like proper talent across. And obviously there's that other dynamic we discussed of. People just dCAing into this thing, accumulating some capital, which gives them the ability to go on their own and just start something, or you know, doing it like you're doing, It's just doing it on the side because you like believe in this thing, and yep. there's this nice payoff profile if you yep. get it right, you know. Um, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. And 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 that's it. So like, there's it's a mix of like ideological people who are like fiat mining, mm-hmm. working for normal jobs, and they're like they're like, covertly a Bitcoiner, and like whatever job you have, and they I all of. All, all people who work in tech who are into Bitcoin ultimately want to work in Bitcoin. Like that's when I say Mm. all, but like most of them, Mm. if you work in tech, that's where you want to be, where it aligns with you ideologically and you can have like Mm. fulfillment in your role. Um, And uh, like we said offline, like our, our corporate uh, culture at Bitvice is very different to the majority of corporate culture. at like a discovery, for example, we're like, they're mandating vaccine like mandates and we like, you come here with that vaccine mandate bullshit. You out of this fucking company. Like it's not happening. Mm. So the culture is, has shifted dramatically, and there's mm. that dichotomy. So like any any um, dissenters in those companies are just going to flock towards people like us who are who are like employing that and looking for those heterodox thinkers. Um, and it's going to reach an inflection point where where the status quo just can't be maintained and they can't compete because all your skills have left, all your heterodox thinkers have gone, and you're just stuck with yeah. the same line of no, thinking. No, that's, that's classic. I mean,
1: yeah. that's classic. Like, that's what this disruptors, um, the innovators dilemma is essentially like, um, and yeah, that's that's definitely happening. Like an interesting dynamic that I've seen is the tech community inside these organizations get it far. They get it. They get what's going on. Yeah. They understand ledgers in the bank and how bank ledgers work yeah. and, how the bank ledgers communicate with each other internally through apps and are they communicate externally with other ledgers through other apps offered by other <laughs> businesses and like they get ledgers you know they they get out works they, because they've they, got to maintain those yeah. things and they then they see bitcoin and
0: yeah, they got disappointed by banking ledgers <laughs> they're like they're this, I look
1: at bitcoin and that <laughs> yeah. makes sense
0: yeah
1: so some of the, some, of the, some of the banks in SA have 3 400 ledgers keeping track so you got all these different business units inside a big bank, right? Okay? Yeah. And um, the, each business unit often keeps track of its own, like, little, like, balance sheets. And that all rolls up into a big balance sheet, right? Keeping track. This stuff gets reported to the Sab in the BI, BA 900 yep. report. Yep. Um, from where the Sab then gets a view of the bank's banking system's balance sheet. This stuff's reported once a month you know it gets audited once a year like there's so many inefficiencies which is why a bank like african bank was able to basically hide the fact that they'd created a billion rand out of nothing in a spreadsheet bang like they were running their biggest loan book in a spreadsheet yeah they were running their biggest loan book in a in a flippant spreadsheet because there's no regulations around the technology you use. You can <laughs> like, you can do that. But when you run your thing in a spreadsheet, whoever's managing the spreadsheet and accesses it on the cloud or whatever, you can sit there and go, I can, I can I can create a new loan to someone here from nothing. And that's what they did. They literally did that and they were able to hide these new loans where money is injected now into the economy. You can't yeah. tell the difference between fake rands, fake created rands, and actual rands, okay? Like in this I mean, in this is specific there a, there scenario.
0: Is, the distinction is thin. <laughs> you know, like,
1: yeah. yeah. So I've asked this question to regulatory bodies. How do you manage this risk? Like how like technology, technologically, there's no way. So you've got to analyze sure. these balance sheets. OK, but anyway, it's messy. These le- these balance sheets and ledgers are quite messy. It's inefficient. The tech guys know that the auditors know that. But, you know, it's job to do this and sign it off and yeah, the whole yeah, story. And yeah, um, sure. yeah. you just look at Bitcoin as this new operating system for money that just works. The tech guys get it. The guys who don't who don't initially are the bankers. Oh, yeah. The, the bankers… It's is
0: strange position.
1: Yeah, but, but also, ask a banker what technology runs the ledger. Go both. Not going to know. Yeah. Is it an Oracle? Is it a SQL? Like, what database are Yoke's using? How, how do you move, like, units from here to appsys, you know, let's say? Or in other banks, like, technically, how does that work? How do these messages, how do they talk to each other? Like, bank, that's not what they do. They understand balance sheets and, you know, all debits, credits, like, leverage, you know, all the banking stuff, right?
0: Yeah.
1: It's all just balance sheet management at the end of the day. That's what they understand. Now you're dealing with something that doesn't even have a balance sheet. It's a bearer instrument. It's an electronic database filled with bearer instruments, you know, like flip and oh no this isn't money this can't be money this is a fraud you know that's the that's the knee jerk
0: yeah it's a fraud that you can query at any point in time and know absolutely what the supply is and where exactly every single (laughs) point is at any point in time that's a fraud. so so
1: (laughs) so that's also like a change that's going to take a little bit longer but like a lot of those tech guys they they're moving they get it they want to build in the space um yeah, it's a, it's been an interesting dynamic, you know, just to kind of yeah. <laughs> observe.
0: Um,
1: yeah. So man. long
0: shorts, Are you optimistic? Are you bullish? On Bitcoin? Yeah, man. On, I'm, on decentralization and yeah.
1: Yeah, look, I'm I'm I'm, I'm very bullish. I um, I think there's going to be some some stuff that still happens in the macro <clears throat> political environment that's going to be kind of scary. I think it's going to yep. be a lot. It's going to be super scary to people. Um, yep. It's going to be it's going to be as confusing and weird and strange as the last two years have been, if oh, not yeah. more so. because yeah. when 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 seizures of bank accounts for political beliefs start to happen, like it's happening in Canada, if that thing starts to spread, If that power is given and granted, like what are the reasons that can be given for doing for censoring this type of information? Um, If there are retaliations from the public to that and it's a form of bank runs, central banks are going to react in a certain way. There's a lot of instability ahead Mm. for for Mm. the legacy monetary system. Um, Super indebted, super leveraged, actually super fragile. All, all, f- all fat It all fell over in 2008. Massive bailouts yep. kind of no, saved it. it. It all fell over again in 2020. I mean, you have these periods where the system yep. literally seizes up. Um, yes. I think we're moving into an environment where that instability increases. I think one yep. of the big institutions that, that the public will lose faith in, as faith has been lost in other institutions over the last few years, being media, Elections, yep. uh, medical, you know, medical health care is, is yep. there's a bunch of stuff I yep. think is coming to the institution of money. That's going to oh, yeah. be super confusing, crazy stuff, weird. It's a dislocation. It's going to be a dislocation of note, but yep. there's hope in that now. You're not oh, yeah. locked into that system and that's what's so exciting and bullish. So. Uh, so there is bad stuff on the horizon. If you can prepare for it, you are going to be okay. You are going to do well financially as a result of it. And um, yes. once you if then get involved in the space, if if that?
0: you can huddle, if you can, if huddle, you can huddle, it's, it's difficult.
1: World. Yeah, I need to it's hard. huddle. People need to be strong and
0: <laughs> like brave. Maybe be toxic. Yeah. Brave is better than like
1: fear. You know. Um,
0: yeah.
1: It does get scary, but you've got to be brave and 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 like. Yeah. um what else was i going to say but also once you get involved and you start to understand this more and you see there's a community of like-minded people around you that's growing over time and that's why the asset is gaining value yes um you also start to get hopeful you know and that's where the bullish side comes out and i think that's where you start to get hopeful and you and you can snap out of it this, this cycle of pessimism, you know, around what's going on around you because it's so easy to get locked into that pessimistic kind of view of the world. But here there's something, it's, it's new, it's uncharted territories, it's like exploring a new continent. I mean, there's a new asset class that is developing here from nothing. There are so many opportunities here for people to exploit. And so I'm so bullish on that. I'm so bullish on that, but there's going to be some institutions that that essentially get destroyed uh, in the process, you know, and that's going to be very confusing and it's going to kind of suck.
0: I mean, (laughs) you you say it's going to suck, but I personally look forward to the destruction of News24. Like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, look, Uh, you know
1: we don't I don't know the future you know and I, I try I try and be humble about this stuff I think it could be like it's a like fist pump when Bitcoin's doing well when 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 other things are not doing that well but like you're gonna see people around you who you like love and know you're gonna be like yeah. what the hell what the hell's going on here I should have listened to you you know I've yeah. lost a lot of value like you know I can't yeah so yeah. that that stuff's not gonna be cool and it's super unpredictable but yeah there's uh, <laughs> I'm bullish and I'm pretty hopeful. I think that's why people need to learn about this stuff as as fast as they can, really get involved. And you know,
0: one thing, one thing I would implore, this is at the end of the show, so like a lot of people don't make it through all the way to the end, but like Mm. for those that have remained, like you deserve to hear this bit, but like I was kind of black pulled on South Africa's future, um, until I met a group of like-minded individuals who were building solutions. And you and I have, are, are part of the same forum um, of these individuals who are building stuff. So all I can say to people is like, we don't, it's, it's kind of like, we don't want to talk about it. We don't dox ourselves what we're doing, but like there are people out there in South Africa who are building parallel institutions and they are winning, like they are building amazing things. And that gave me more hope than anything that made me want to decide to stay in South Africa more than leave to go to Australia and New Zealand. Thank God I didn't go to the, you know, those places, but like to stay in South Africa and build our solutions here because we are South African. I'm seventh generation South African. I'm not going anywhere. And uh, most people feel the same, you know, so like reach out. There are like-minded individuals. And if you want to get involved, get involved because people are building, you know, and it's, um, it, it gives me hope. And I, and I think if we couple that those institutions they're building with Bitcoin, like it becomes very, very difficult to be mm-hmm. censored. Um, and I think we'll win. Um, and that in the African context of like where we are with our infrastructure and where we are in South Africa like I think really think we can thrive more than anywhere on earth so I'm super bullish about South Africa and where we are not the South African government but I'm, I'm I'm bullish on South African people and and, and what's being built here it really is um, yeah and you know, you know, what
1: the, you know what the other thing is like I agree with that and I, the other thing is what I what I realized so I'm a macro guy that's that's where I kind of you know cut my teeth in markets, and it's what led me into you know Bitcoin and the space that I'm in right now is um, I'm a macro guy. Like, I think big picture stuff, you know, um, but at the end of the day, what's important is like what's happening? What's happening in your life? Are you yeah. doing well for yourself? Like, are you doing the right thing? Are you principled? Yeah. Are you building something that's like transcendent that's going to last beyond you? Are you doing something that benefits you, but also your family, like the friends around you, the community around you, like broader community, which becomes a province and then a nation state and then the world? Like if you can sort that out and stay focused on just doing that, and a bunch of us do that together, like we win it. You can't lose, man, like you can't lose. And so this focus on like what's happening in South Africa's economy and what's the GDP growth doing? The guys building Literally. in our space are growing at two hundred percent per year. Yeah. Like, they, they, like I'm not interested in your two percent GDP yeah. or your recession, guys yeah we're it not, doesn't we're matter not the average we're not'm yeah. like yeah, yeah, we live a part of that like it sucks. it's such you know as an aggregate number. I don't care about the aggregate numbers like. I care about my family. I care about my friends. I care about my community. I care about my colleagues. Like, do what's best for those concentric circles yeah. around you. And if we all do that together, you can't lose, man. Like, yeah. <laughs> man, and there's I, an awesome I, tool at your disposal right now to do that. And it's called Bitcoin.
0: Yeah. You know, I can't, I can't resonate any harder than what you just said. Like, and this is what Bitcoin has brought to me is, the, is, is like, Get that sense of community spirit, of like. But first, clean your own room, like Jordan Peterson says. You know, get your own shit in order, and then you can help the rest of the world. And man, oh, that's man. powerful. It's so powerful. Um, and and I live in Cape Town, so I can't speak for Joe Joburgers, but I honestly think I live in the best place on earth. Like Cape Town as a as a place to live. In, and my fiance is British, and she's got a bunch of expat friends, and they are all like drawn to Cape Town. They fucking love it. They can't get enough of it because they're like got American friends who are down here, the whole expat community, like all down here. And they're all like, we're not going back. Cape Town is the best place on earth. So like South Africans, wipe the shit out of your eyes, look around and be like, this place is worth fighting for and worth building for. And there's, we can build the best thing ever here. And the whole world wants to be here, you know? So combine that with Bitcoin, you can't lose. Had a bit of whiskey, getting fired up, but it, you know.
1: Uh, <laughs> awesome. Man. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> nice.
0: Anyway, Chris, This has been amazing. Thank you so much for coming. Where can people track you down to uh, find your views on things? Um, And secondly, if they want to get in contact with you of how they can get involved, how can they do that?
1: I think easiest is to find me on Twitter. I'm still there. My handle is 0xbecker, B-E-C-K-E-R. People can DM me. My DMs are open. I'll chat. Uh, Yeah. And I, I share some of my views there as well. I'm not sure where else. I'm not blogging anymore. I used to blog. Not that much stuff there. Um, and I'm not doing that much media except for chatting with smart guys like you. Uh, <laughs> I'm not into those sound bites on e-news and all that stuff anymore. Um, no, there's nothing. I mean, you no gotta prepare for do. like five minutes and you no. gotta have a little elevator pitches set up, like that's totally pointless. I think on Twitter yep. people can can reach out and yeah.
0: Absolutely. Once again, Chris, thank you so much. This has been fantastic. Um, guys, track Chris down on Twitter. And, uh, yeah, if you want to get involved, reach out to us by DM. Um, and hopefully um, we can put you in contact with the right people. But there's really good shit happening in South Africa. Um, I don't want to blow a cover here, but, like, it's happening. Um, yeah, Chris, once again, thank you so much. And, um, yeah, I hope to see you on the, on the show again soon. Have a good evening, man. We'll chat. See you soon. Cheers.